All right, Vocal Fam. It's us. Again. It's still us. It is still us. Even though you've lived five weeks. It's been like two minutes. Sarah and I have just been recorded. sitting here with these bumpers at my kitchen table recording them. Fantastic. So if you've oh. not checked out the merch store yet. Check it out. Go check out the merch store. Do it. If you're confused why the, the theme songs have sounded different. Yeah, have you noticed that? Have you noticed that every, the, every week's theme song has been actually Just slightly a little, different? A little bit different. So we now have six Vocal Fry theme songs. That we're going to kind of... We'll change. try to normally keep our Marvel one on a Marvel episode. Of course. And I'm sure that like... We did a Stranger Things one, didn't we? Or did we not end up doing? Yes, we did Hawkins Labs, yeah. didn't we? So yes. I'm sure when when we dropped, I'm, I think that's this past. I think tense we're now. probably past Stranger Things. Well, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. It depends because Spider Man's going to need so to get out there. Ooh, you're right. You're right. Because Spider Man's right. probably going to have to happen before Stranger well, Things. Well, Stranger Things will take time to watch. Right. You're right. This is what I'm thinking. And then you and I have to have time to Skype and probably right. phone in somebody else. You're right. Yeah. Well, Stranger Things, Leah can just come over. That's. We need to make sure she's ready. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. so we'll see. Scheduling. Oh, so complicated. Scheduling gets a lot more complicated for it, Vocal Jamie. Fry mm-hmm. moving forward. Uh, no, no, we're happy for you and Jamie. I mean, um, I'm happy, but if you want to be mad at someone, so might I recommend my so dumb husband? This episode was so exciting because really I've been following Ginevra Williams's work for years. In fact, we talk about that right on the front front yeah, of the front of the episode did. because I had actually read some of her research from over a decade ago, which was my first knowledge of her, and uh, then to be able to get to sit down here at Voice Foundation and just chat. Oh my gosh, she was so pleasant and she made me want to be British all over again. <laughs> I really would love to be British. Sarah's Anglo Anglophile. I am a huge Anglophile. If the United Kingdom wants to like adopt me, I'm there for it. <laughs> you don't even have to sponsor me. Just, I don't know. <laughs> give me the accent. So if the, if I already any, love tea. If anyone in the uh, Foreign Secretary's office is up for... If you're uh, listening to me, I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> Wouldn't Love that England. wouldn't that be the foreign secretary's office in their know. form of government? I think I'm right. Who knows? I'm probably Whoever wrong. can help me with this. Anyway, Ginevra was a delight to she have was. on. It was just fantastic. Um, I mean, you want to talk about some bits of just pure, oh, pure gold. She had such a calming personality. Like she, her persona is just soothing. Are you saying that you and I don't? Uh, uh, if, you know, we two, was it two nights ago? We're just sitting and yelling at each other. There was no one else talking. It wasn't like we were trying to talk over people. We're just yelling, agreeing, but yelling. We're not calming people. We're like the opposite. This is why you're here for this, vocal fam. Yep. You're here for it. Yep. And this is why I love like Guardians so much, because it's just one big dysfunctional vocal fam. I do love Guardians. Okay, here we are. Anyway, so here we are. Anyway. Voice Foundation Week 5. five. With Ginevra Williams, whose name I only said wrong once. Well, yeah, we got it right, I think, every other time. Yeah, and, and I I've screw- made a and point I, to say it right after that. And I still screwed it up once. Anyway, all I right. I like her name. Peace out, Vogel. It is a beautiful name. It I, really I is. I agree. Uh, all right, peace out, Vogel fam. You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast. Your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the fields of Trenzalore, 
where the doctor stands. Why we have the long cables? Uh, Vocal fam, it's been such a great day and weekend here at Voice Foundation. I mean, I can barely. Uh, yesterday was amazing. It we was did very we cool. did three recording sessions yesterday. True. We've got two this morning and then one more this afternoon, which we can do earlier if we would like to. I just that's a note for you two. Oh. Which uh, the prices we can bump them up. They oh. just talked to me this morning. Okay. So we weren't sure when the sessions ended. Well, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, yeah. so we have from the United Kingdom, Ginevra. Did I say it right? Yep. Ginevra Williams, who's who I was trying to remember when I first saw you online, I was trying to remember to myself, I thought I know her writing and I couldn't but I knew it wasn't necessarily your stuff on children's voices. And I was trying to remember to myself why was it? So I was looking through your website this morning and I remember why it was. It was some of the things that you guys had done on real-time feedback. Ah, that, yes, that was and, a while ago. Right. And a while back, I had done a project on using real-time feedback using my nasometer and did a study of real-time feedback with that. And I remember reading some of your protocols prior to doing that, and that's why I knew your name. How amazing. Well, I mean, <laughs> so, you know... My little bit of research in the UK helped feed into yours. Indeed. Indeed it did. Good. Glad it was useful. (laughs) Uh, So you are based out of where now? Uh, Out of London, about um, half an hour southwest of London. And you still actively teach singing? I do. I do. I have students who are... Now they are all professional classical singers... So you do primarily with classical singers? Yes, now I do. Okay. Uh, but I do also do vocal rehab. Oh, cool. And okay. my vocal rehab work, of course, is with any, anybody, any voice user. And I work in a voice clinic. So you do? And, yeah. And that's in London or just closer to... Uh, in uh, Surrey and okay. Hampshire and... Yeah. Was... Um, your background originally in singing as a classical singer? How far back are we going to go? Any, any, anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. You'd, anywhere you'd like to go. We'd like to know all about you. Originally, I was a scientist. Oh, wow. Fascinating. I was... I didn't know that. Ah. When I was 16, I was going to be a doctor. And then I actually decided to study biology at university. And I got halfway through that. And suddenly realized that singing could be an actual thing that you could actually do. Right. Yeah. Nobody told me you could do it as a job. Yeah. (laughs) I always thought it was just something everybody did for fun. And at that point, I went to the music department and said, can I please change to music? I've never studied music ever before, but I'm very good at singing. That is fantastic. So you had singing background. You had been singing. I'd been singing, but I hadn't had lessons. That's fantastic. Wow. So I think I I got in. I was very, very lucky to get in because I wasn't a very good student. (laughs) (laughs) So had you been singing classically or? Choral singing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. choral singing. And then I got involved in singing in shows and operas. And and then I took lessons. 
And so then after I'd been to university, I went to music college, to the Guildhall School of Music okay. as a postgraduate and did studied opera there. Oh, wow. wow. Phenomenal. And then went on to sort of 10 years of opera singing oh, all over the place. Wow. And so what brought you back sort of then to the research world or to the, what, what, you know, how did you get back to that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was singing and, and then teaching at the same time and I really enjoyed the teaching. I actually found it very challenging whereas singing was, had wonderful moments and an awful lot of tedious ones. You know, yeah. when you're on tour yeah. and you're yeah. away from home and in rehearsals and you're standing around for ages and, you know, it's not a very glamorous life. No. It is not what one no. might think. Some of the yes. rehearsal process is absolutely wonderful and, so, and the performances are performances, but there's a lot of other stuff as well. Whereas teaching, I found exciting and challenging every single minute of the activity. So I was doing more teaching and working with choristers, boy choristers in St. Paul's Cathedral and uh, also in Westminster Abbey and Westminster Cathedral. I've worked oh, wow. You know, like yeah. you do. Yes, like you do. And I had so many questions that I wanted answers for. Yes. And I, I thought, well, I'll go and look up all the research. Okay. Yeah. And there wasn't any. Well, that's one way to get into yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just literally, like, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I went to, my, to meet somebody and I said, I really don't want to do a PhD. <clears throat> I absolutely don't need one of those. My husband had just done one and I knew what it meant. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, well, you can't do research on children unless you do it through a university. And if you're uh. going to do it through university, you've got to be doing a PhD. Sorry, mate. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Indeed. So that's how you end up with that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, a My reluctant researcher. Yeah, right. <laughs> Perhaps more uh, beneficial, though, from a family aspect, doing them back to back. My wife and I did our DMAs together the exact same years. Oh, Chris. gosh. Thankfully, before we had children. Uh, well, that's the difference. Yes. I had a baby in the middle of mine. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> My second baby. Wow. Oh, so you already incredible. had one. God bless you. <laughs> that, uh, wow. No, that's doable, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything's doable. Anything's doable if you don't sleep very much <laughs> and you've got very Yikes. supportive family and yeah. neighbors and you know my mum was living around the corner and fantastic wow. yeah. fantastic so i know that i, j I just a little bit um because i want to get into your work on children's voices and things but I, a little bit tell us a little uh, some of the differences of uh, of of how um i know higher ed and a master's and a PhD or something in the UK are a little bit different than we have in the States. Um, so uh, did you have a master's in, in music or, or in voice, or did you just go on straight to the PhD? I went in through the back door straight to a PhD. Oh, wow. Phenomenal. Like I went in through the back door straight into a music degree. <laughs> <laughs> that is phenomenal. Oh, no. Sounds like you did it the right way to me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Every vocal fam take notes. Yeah. Right. When in doubt, go in through the back door. Yeah. Uh, and th but there couldn't have been many people. There can't be that many people at that point when you did yours who were doing PhD work in voice. There's still only three in the UK. That's why oh, I wanted wow. to. Yeah. And, so, and I was the first. And so who oh. did you meet to do that and help you along with that? Graham Welsh mm -hmm. at the Institute of Education as it was then. It's now University College London. And he was 
wonderfully supportive at the outset. He was the one that opened the back door for me. Wow. And then he became, I guess, your doctoral advisor. He became my supervisor. And then I worked also with David Howard. I figured. Indeed. And he helped. So David was my recording engineer sure. for all my work, which was marvelous to have a, a top professor of electronic engineering as your recording engineer. As it helps. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I... Well, I mean, you know, a, a lot of my work up to this point until recently has been in acoustics. And I remember when I was doing my DMA, you know, just as a singer and, 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 and you know, whatever, had it not been for when I got my presser grant and I, you know, spent a week in Don Miller's house in the Netherlands and got, you know, into Voce Vista and whatever through that sort of back door as part of my degree, I never would have done the things that I've gone on to do had it not been for that. So, I mean, it is, it ends up being so much of meeting sort of a senior investigator Absolutely. At some point that, you know, and Absolutely. now it's nice because now being able to return that to our graduate students or, or whatever. Tell us a little bit yeah. about um, this, this now the, the MA program that, 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 that you work with. Tell us a little bit about that. About mm. that. Well, we wanted to set up a, a proper MA that was university accredited. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are lots of people running courses, and a lot of those courses are excellent, but they are, they have no formal accreditation. Sure. And it's a really complicated process, getting mm. university on board. You know, universities are huge animals that are really slow and full of admin, and <laughs> it can take 10 or 15 years to start something. Welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> So I was working with Debbie Winter, who runs Voice Workshop. And Voice Geek Group. And Voice Geek Group. And she is an amazing woman. She has so much energy. And she just presented a business model to a couple of universities and said, here it is. I've got students. I've got fees. I've got lecturers. I will organize everything. All you need to do is stamp the approval at the end of it. Wow. wow. And I'll give you loads of money. And that's how that started. And that's how it started. Because she had put together the whole program. She had done say. all the work for them. Oh so there was nothing Why they could object you? to. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. I guess you're the main lecturer for that program? Yes, I'm the principal tutor. But we do try and vary it a bit because sure. they don't want to see me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, they see too much of me. So they can... I, say, I think like 90% of the classes we took... We're with yeah, him. One of the things I try to make sure is whenever possible, I try not to also be their studio voice teacher. So That's true. Neither of them studied voice with me. Yeah, it was just with your wife. We, uh, <laughs> it was. But it's really important to have a real expert for every subject. Yeah. You know, I can teach voice acoustics up to a certain level. I could probably teach it for master's level students. But if they ask me a difficult question, I'm stuck. Sure. So that's where I get David Howard to come in and teach that. Uh, and a wonderful person to bring in <laughs> to do no it. No one's angry there. <laughs> yeah, they love him. I, I, love I'm, sh- I'm sure. Uh, no, and, that, that's absolutely right. And if we want to demonstrate right. uh, nasendoscopy, then we have to get a doctor in absolutely. to do that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have a couple of willing doctors who'll turn up with a stack and... Stick cameras up people's noses. How how oh. incredibly convenient. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so 
your work with Children's Voices. You have a book. What's it called? It's called Teaching Singing to Children and Young Adults. Yes. And, and that's available through your website? It's available through my website. It's available through Amazon. It's available through the publisher, Compton Publishing. Is there an ebook version or just the paperback? There is not an ebook version, okay. no. But there's a DVD that goes with it. Fantastic. Oh, okay. Which is of, of me working with children and doing all of the exercises that I describe in the book. Okay. The other useful thing about the DVD is it has boys at every single stage of voice change. Oh, that's And you can hear their speaking voice and you can hear their singing range and I think you need to hear it to make yeah. sense of it. Sure. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I will, I will confess, I'd really like to get your book um, because... Well, do you know what? I've got some with me. Really? Oh, fantastic. Well, can we talk about that later? <laughs> um, but I, I don't work with children's voices, and so it's an area that's always sort of fascinated me. When I, so when I came up through sort of pedagogic models and whatever, I, in my training, it was very much in the type of pedagogy that I, it was taught by an opera singer, and so we were trained to we were trained to basically to train other opera singers to train other opera singers. And one of the things that my pedagogy classes have evolved um, as over the years has has particularly over the last decade has been transitioning to just teaching them how to teach voice to all levels Anyone. the avo- yeah. the avocational singer. Uh, you know, I sort of always reference the, you know, older church soprano, the children, absolutely. you know, children, yeah. absolutely. And varied so styles. This too. is what we teach on our MA. It is not genre specific. Yeah, I think it's so we, important. We cover lifespan of the voice. So we look at what happens all through life. So all through ch- children's development. But then looking at the effects of menopause on the voice. Absolutely. And looking yeah. at the effects of aging on the voice and also of different illnesses and different uh, medications that people are on, they all have effects on the voice and we need to understand that. So, and I think the basics, because I don't teach a method, the basics of how voices work and how to help them work more efficiently really applies to any genre and it applies to any voice. And you take that information and then you use it for the student. This is exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, cause, well, because you're not going to just teach, probably. You're not just going to teach one age and very specific set of students. Well, I mean, really, I mean, we really can't anymore. Be, no. I mean, it's like you said that we're not, with only a master's now, we're not going to get hired at a university to teach no. music majors. Not as a tenure-track professor right away. Right. Yeah. And so we need to be able to teach just... Yeah, I need to be able to in teach our hometown, a, you know? a seven-year-old boy, an right. 11-year-old girl. And, you know, let's be real. Like, we don't have... Ex- we're 20-something-year-old females. But I've never gone through some of the voice changes that a pubescent boy does. Yeah. And or that an older female might go through. And so it's really helpful to kind of have the literature at your fingertips that can kind of educate you on what's happening. Right. Yeah, and to know that it exists in the yes. first place. Because I used to get um, women coming to me for lessons. A lot of the, the people, amateur singers who come, are choral singers who come when they're a little bit older because their children have grown up and they've got money and they've got time. Yeah, yeah. So yes. it's something for them. And it's something that can... So they yes. would come, you know, at the age of... of in their late 50s or early 60s and these women would say do you know what my voice doesn't work in the same way that it used to and I don't know what's happened and you have to very discreetly ask if there are other changes in their life that might have happened and suggest that those changes also affect the voice and the light goes on and they 
and it never occurred to them that they could be these and then it makes sense and then of course you can help them out and or just like you know if you have had children and you've been whatever you probably haven't been singing as much period and so you know it's a a muscle it it gets out of use you have to retrain it it's Mm. you have to it has to get re-coordinated, essentially, yeah. you know? Like it's and then the, uh, the older singers who say, do you think I should give up singing because I can't sing so well anymore? And I, before I even hear them sing, I say, you must not stop singing. Yeah. You must keep singing. You may need to choose a different choir to sing with. You may right. need to choose a different voice part. Yeah, yeah. that can be key. Sing but some different rep yeah. than you used mm. to. Like, maybe you've always been a first soprano, but you might not be anymore. <laughs> yeah, and why do they see that as, as demotion? I don't understand, well, like... Honestly, singing alto can be more fun. I mean, we make jokes about how they stay on the one note or whatever, but like it can be really interesting and it can be an interesting challenge if you've never sung alto. Sure. Yeah. I think if you start when you're 70, though, it's a little bit yeah, disconcerting. Right. Well, it that's becomes, maybe, especially for a singer, you know, that just becomes part of your, your identity. identity. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's difficult, but. Yeah. So you must get asked this, and I'm sure you address it in the book, but since we don't have the book in front of us and our listeners don't, but you should go buy the book. <laughs> um, is there an age that is too young to teach singing to? No. You can sing songs with a two-year-old. Sure. sure. And you know that because you've had them. Yes, of course. Um, you teach what is appropriate for the individual at any age, at any stage. And a lot of common sense prevails. Right. Yeah. So they may have a shorter attention span. Definitely. Or you just vary the activity. So if you've got a six-year-old who comes for a half-hour lesson, mm-hmm. you're not going to spend half an hour on one song. No. You do rhythm games and you do a little bit of reading and you do singing one song and then singing another song and then thinking about character and role play. And oh, yeah. by the time you've done all that, half an hour's gone. Yeah. Phenomenal. Well, and just so many basic musicianship type things, I would think you can start kind of instilling in, a, in someone like that. And so does your book have some of those kind of activities in it as well? Or is it really just about the singing part? Singing is all of those activities. Fantastic. It, so it, it has got yeah, character and it's got meaning and it's got emotion and it's got pace and it's got singing in groups and I talk about how to teach groups and how to teach choirs singing I'm not a choral director so I don't go into how to conduct choirs but certainly how to look after the voices when they're in larger groups it's important very important because to be honest for most children that is their experience of singing right is in groups yes yes I mean that's how that's how I did it till college was just did choir and that's where I got all of my like oh, well, this is how I'm supposed to sing with choir. And that can be really different than what you want to do. And sometimes those choral directors are the ones who don't know so much about singing. Sometimes, yeah. And sometimes you then have to go and do a bit of unpicking. That is true, yes. Always need to be talking with our choral colleagues all Mm. the time. We need definite open, open doors of communication. Totally. Uh, So this week, um, were were you here presenting something this week as well? I'm presenting this afternoon. Uh, Us us too. What are you you presenting this afternoon? I'm actually talking about adolescent boys and what is best for their singing voices as they're going through voice change. 
Okay. And there's a, it's one of those areas, you know, should they continue to sing high? Should they sing low? Should they stop singing? Should they limit their singing? A lot of people have a lot of opinions mm-hmm. and there is stuff written on it, but there is no empirical research. Hmm. There is no okay. actual um, quantitative data. Yeah. That anyone's done. That I have found. I I, I have not either, yes. No. On on the difference between continuing to sing soprano through voice change or shifting down to singing alto tenor and bass through voice change. And so that's what I'm presenting is a little bit of data. Okay, wow. wow. Phenomenal. Yeah, because mm. I know people definitely like have opinions because we have several friends that are like middle school choir teachers and you know they're talking about their choirs and you have these boys that even though maybe still like have not gone through voice changes they don't want to be the only boy singing soprano you know yeah. it's like that i'm actually really interested to hear that yeah me too it's, it's a hard decision I'm, I'm sure from like the teacher's standpoint of like what to do well i look them. forward to mm. that being published so that i can share it with our ped classes and our especially our music educators yeah right, um you have music it, ed- well it's nearly there the, the written paper is nearly there. It needs a little <laughs> bit of tweaking. Fantastic. And then we're going to get it out. I wish I could say the same about our written paper of what we're presenting <laughs> this afternoon, which is <sighs> not Life nearly there because uh, we've had a lot going on. Uh, but it'll get there. It, this summer it will get there because I actually don't have students in front of me all the time. So what are you presenting on? Uh, our talk is we did our first big study with our team at the hospital. So I sort of have a dual appointment at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and Mississippi College. And uh, along with our chief of speech pathology and our otolaryngologist, and I brought the two of them into this project, we now have a research line uh, on laryngeal manipulation. Ah, yes. But what we're actually looking at is the singer doing it on themselves. And there is, up to this point that I know of, no quantitative data on self-laryngeal manipulation with any kind of measurements. And so we did aerodynamic measurements and basic acoustic measurement, meaning SPL, that was it. Yeah, that's um, But, uh, and uh, what we found, what we, so we had them do, um, podcast listeners know all this already, but yeah. we had them do a vocalization day where they just vocalized, which was to a video a day of silence, a day where they did our laryngeal manipulation protocol, which is also to an instructional video, like where Sarah will sit there and she'll do it to herself and I'll describe what they're supposed to do and how long. And then we did a combination day where they did the video, the laryngeal manipulation video and the singing video. And what we found was that the day they did both, we had a significant increase in sound pressure level. And that was the only That's day amazing. we had a significant... A P That's less really than point zero zero one. Wow. That's significant. Yeah. <laughs> but it was not on the day they just vocalized or the day they just did LM. So we're going to randomize the day order next time. We're going to flip it around and have them vocalize first and then do the LM. So we're, we're, we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Yeah. This was a new line of research for me because my, the team at the medical center, we spent a year once I got to Mississippi, just trying to figure out what is our research agenda. You know, as you know, it takes a while to determine a research agenda. And if it's not something that you're really interested in, you'll never do it. True. But, Self-manipulation or self-massage is 
is how you the only way you can do it in the studio yeah because right. you can't do you can't that. no unless you've got a massage qualification and insurance to go with it right. yes <laughs> you can't you actually can afford that and we have our disclaimer slide in the presentation today mm-hmm. which is basically just a giant word salad of me saying our position is that you should not touch your students unless you're a certified therapist yeah Totally. totally. So we're working on trying to figure out the best ways that voice teachers can communicate these principles to a singing student to, to have to them be themselves. able to do it themselves. Mm. That's what we're working on. Because I studied two days of laryngeal manipulation with Jacob Lieberman. Uh-huh, yes. Yeah. Sort he's of the father of that yeah, in, the, in, in Europe, at least. In yes. he, he's in Israel. He lives in Israel. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, he has lived in London. But he, he's from Israel and he's back okay. there now. Good to know. And he did a two-day course. So I learned manipulation on other people. But I know I actually can't do it on other people. But it's given me an understanding of how to help my students do it to themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's what we're trying. But up mm. until this point, there hasn't been any data to support that. No. And so that's what we're trying to produce. Mm. The the problem with a lot of the LM data that's out there, there was a paper given here last year that was a, just a lit review that basically tore all of the studies apart, basically because there had been no common methodology and there was such um, possibility for a practitioner not to do the same thing. Because most of the data is about practitioners doing it on patients. Yeah, but if you've got the same tutorial video going out to every individual and that's what we're doing very good well we'll see (laughs) yeah we'll see (laughs) that's the trick isn't it (laughs) we will see so you also have some upcoming workshops that you're hoping to do in the u.s is that correct yes tell us about that yes i'm hoping to come back next june june 2020 for nats national for the nats conference fantastic i'll be there before that i'm hoping to run a couple of three-day courses and it's a three-day course on teaching young voices. Okay. Phenomenal. So it's quite thorough. We cover a lot of areas. We cover all the physical development. We cover a lot of different exercises you can do at different ages, what you can expect from the voice, what it can do, what it can't do, pitch range, um, breath duration, all those sort of things. But we also look at how children learn mm, and okay. so how what are the best ways of, of actually teaching them of, of the language you use you know looking at growth mindset rather than fixed mindset buzzword yeah yeah, yeah. definitely de- definite. i think growth mindset was mm. the buzzword for 2018 i think it was the the buzzword that i heard yeah the most. really because it's important and it, it makes fact, a difference yes, of course it's, it's and uh, and i also look at um group singing and how to teach groups so sometimes i don't know whether you have this in schools here but sometimes in in um Certainly, in the younger with the younger children, they don't they won't have individual lessons. They will They'll have group being lessons. groups of two right. or three, they and it's a financial limitation that co- that leads to that. But at least they get a chance to learn. So yeah. there's a lot of research looking at how it's best to take a group lesson that you don't okay. give three little lessons. That's a, that's you use the whole group all the time. I've seen a lot, not so much in public or private schools, but in. Um, the private studios you can take through or conservatories that, that that's kind of becoming a thing just as I've been looking at those for jobs <laughs> mm. that they want you to give 
group lessons, and which is not something you really learn how to do necessarily no. while in school. So no. that's really interesting. Uh, and I also talk about vocal health. Sure. Of, course. of course. Which is really important because children are crazy sometimes. Yes, um. they are. So are college <laughs> students yeah. Yeah. Uh, and young professionals. Yeah, but you're not usually having to like raise your voice and yell it. Them. That would depend on the class. Theoretically, that's true. You're probably right there. That's you all sat true. through my undergraduate pedagogy class last fall. You're right. Just kidding. Right. Love you guys. <laughs> uh, and so, what are those dates? You have some of those dates or written down? No, or they're not no? definite yet. But okay. it will be sometime in June because the Nats conference is at the end of yes. June. So, are you looking at month. doing it in Knoxville at all? No, probably. Well, I don't know unless some. I need someone else to set it up because I'm, ah. you know, a long way off. The two locations we're looking at at the moment are possibly Detroit and maybe Chicago. Oh, well, we okay. might be able to set up something for you in Mississippi. I mean, wow. I mean, <laughs> I we are connected a to a lot of music educators and sure. choral directors who might That's have true, interest in that. That's true. If you wanted to do a southern that. one, uh, we could we could talk about setting something up in the south. That yeah. would be wonderful. Okay, well, I well, wondered well, if we Knoxville, just because, like, if that's where Nats National is, well, right? I mean, and so many people will be traveling to if that. If I come, if I come to Mississippi, can I come and look at your cadaver lab? Oh, I forget that that's such a big pool for people. Like, just having gone to, we do have a cadaver <laughs> lab. Um, I, I actually, I, uh, f- this is a full <laughs> confession of my own idiosyncrasies. I actually don't take my ped students to our own cadaver lab on my own campus. And that's okay because I don't like dead bodies. Same. Okay, I think. <laughs> But I bet it could be arranged for I can you cope. to go. I'm sure. I, I'm sure we could arrange something. Yeah, I yes. think that that's pretty popular to take people to tour because yes, it's, well, it's especially a, with the medical interest. I mean, that's a huge when you know potential yeah. students are coming to MC. That's a huge draw for them. Yeah. Yes, it is the opportunity to do that in undergrad. Yeah. So it was a large financial investment for the university too. Yes. Uh, great. So, vocal fry is half voice science and pedagogy and half nerd pop culture True. but we let anybody talk about any of their other interests i know you and i now have a common interest at least for me it's been an interest for the last year and a half and that's that we're both runners um. yeah um i ran nearly five miles this morning i don't quite run the distances that you do yet but i'm i've i'm, I'm working my way I, I i ran a half marathon this spring Oh, well, that's, that's a good distance. It was. Yeah. I've not run further than that. No. <laughs> I haven't very often. I've not done a full marathon. Uh-huh. No, every time I've had one lined up, the training has caused me uh, some injury. Uh. And that's but one of the reasons I don't think I'm going to try to do one. Every injury that I get helps me to learn a little bit more about the body and helps me to learn about why we get injuries. That's a nice way to look at it. what to do about it. And Fantastic. I really made so many connections between my running and also yoga and all, a lot of other physical sure. things that yeah. I do and how the body works and how the brain directs the body huh. and it's all the same stuff. How long have you been doing yoga? Oh, well, 20 while. years. <laughs> and you've been a runner your whole life? No, no, I started running after my second child was uh-huh. born, after my son was born. Fantastic. So I've been running for about 12 years. Wow, cool. Okay. When I'm not injured. Well, there you go. And I also swim and cycle, so I have done a few triathlons oh, as well. Fantastic. I do not do either of those, so <laughs> fantastic. So, um, do you happen to have any other nerd interests uh, that are not voice related? Any TV you liked, movies, books, books. that you, a book series that you're into? Uh, it could be art, uh, a band you're really into, anything. 
I don't watch TV at all ever. That's oh, phenomenal. Wow, okay. Th- there you go, vocal fam. There's impressive. your <laughs> there's your motivational cue to uh, stop whatever you're doing and get out and do something important. I just don't. I find it deeply frustrating, and mm. I don't. I just don't watch it. I'm a bit twitchy. <laughs> don't, I don't do sitting still. Uh, I love gardening. Oh. I've got a, a garden and I grow lots of vegetables and I've got chickens and I've got a dog. And I think having chickens would be fun. So I play, I play in the garden. So you get your own eggs? Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. Um, I like eating and I like cooking. As do I. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What's your favorite dish to cook? Oh, God, I don't have a favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the weather and the, yeah. and the time and the what's Mood. in the fridge. Yep. Uh, that's, that's key. Or it? maybe out of the garden. Yeah, yeah. My kids are... Lots of spinach at the moment. Uh-huh. I've got a glut of spinach, which I'm trying to work my way through so I can rip it out and plant other stuff. <laughs> uh. <laughs> my kids are really excited because they have these little planter beds and they have a nice supply of tomatoes coming so in right now. They are so proud of those tomatoes. Oh, it's great to get kids growing their own food though, isn't it? Yes, yes. This is the first year we've really done it. We mm. have some blueberry bushes as mm. well but they've they've been coming in for years since we sort of bought the house we planted them the first year we had our house and it it's taken probably these four or five years now to, for them to really come in yeah well. they do take a while and i know there are certain things that i grow like raspberries which never ever make it into the kitchen oh they no. always oh, yeah. just get eaten in the garden huh. that's what happens Oops. to our blueberries yeah yeah no, they, they've, they've yet to make it into the kitchen. <laughs> That's if my dog doesn't get them. Oh, dog eats blueberries? He will. He's a weirdo. Gosh. Our dog will eat anything. <laughs> that seems right. He chewed on a rock for an hour and a half the other day. <laughs> he's a... He's, That's Sarah funny. and I both have rather large dogs. So we'll eat any... Yeah. My dog we'll tried to eat a light bulb one day. Oh, no. It didn't go well for her. Oh. Or another day... <laughs> Uh, she's eating some weird stuff. She's a yeah. weird girl. She is. A, a half a bag of her. chocolate chips or half a whole bag, bag of chocolate? She had a whole bag of chocolate chips, and I was genuinely concerned for her well-being. But, like, to give her credit, she must have, like, an intestinal system of, like, steel. Well, because it didn't seem to so phase big. her. She's yeah, she's very, big. Very she's a big dog. I didn't, didn't touch the sides, I bet. Just went through. Yeah. I'll tell you what else I do. My little luxury, my little treat Please. to myself okay. is I love going to the theatre. Oh. Fantastic. And so straight I Straight plays and musicals? Straight plays, mostly. Okay. Phenomenal. If anything with music in, just, I, get, I end up analyzing you it. Start and, thinking and, right. Yeah, and again, I start twitching about and thinking, oh, gosh, she needs to do that, and I wish he'd do that. Yeah. So it's not it's, really relaxed. It's yeah. not. It's very <laughs> difficult, unless it's really, really good, right. in which case it's jaw-dropping, and I love it. Uh, and I do occasionally go to things in, in the yeah. West End, which well, but, I mean, being so close to London, yeah. I mean, of course, you have access of to so much. There are, there oh, are loads of opportunities. But, but we have a theatre. We have a very good theatre, which is a five minute walk from my house. Wow. Oh, that's lovely. phenomenal. That's so awesome. I, I go quite often and I'm very happy to go on my own and I get very a standby cool. ticket and. Oh, yeah, again? that's the way Just to do it. Many of Sarah and my favorite actors are British because we're big Doctor yeah. Who fans. Oh. Yeah. And so uh, we've talked about Doctor Who a lot on the podcast. And uh, well, so... And it just... It is so interesting to me that over there, it does seem that so many of the actors that we really like do a lot of straight theater, whereas oh, in America, yes. that, that is not it's very a different. thing. Yeah, it's very... Like, love, love David Tennant. Yes, love. yes, you do. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I really do. But I mean, he, I, I, because I love him, I follow some of his stuff and see like he does straight theater still on still. a regular basis. And I'm like, I would go see that. Yeah. I think that's how they 
see life is all about the theatre, and I think film is a, is a slightly unusual yeah. environment, isn't it? Film and television. I would think so, yeah. But they do seem to, I mean, they do it all. Hmm. It's the way actors in America make their money, though. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing. Like they, they couldn't make the no. same doing the straight theater. So. No. But it's like singers doing recitals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. might be something you enjoy yeah. and do You're very well. Very rarely going to get rich on recitals. Right. Exactly. Oh. But um, but singers will love to put together a program and yeah and work on that. I find it to be much more difficult to do recital than I do an opera role. Mm. I can put together an opera role fairly quickly. Putting together a recital, well, it depends on the role, but putting together a recital is. But for some people, that's really where they thrive. Like we've talked about with yes. Michael, that that's like. Yes. Oh, my wife. My wife. Oh, yeah. My wife's a fine recitalist. Just phenomenal. Would, I'm sure rather do that I've, I've any day. Absolutely. Genevra. Th- Genevra. I'm so sorry. I swore <laughs> I wasn't going to was do gonna it. I swore oh. I wasn't going to do it. You got it right. I've been right the whole time. You're right. Uh, Genevra, thank you so much. You've been a gem. Thank you for sitting down with Vocal Fry. Uh, we will get this episode out sometime this summer. True. And we'll let you know. And well, thank you so much oh, for so, inviting so me, give for us talking the po- to me. the website for your website. My website is just www.ginevarawilliams.com. So oh, perfect. All you need to do is spell my first name right. <laughs> Which will be the name of this episode, so and it should not be oh, difficult. You don't even need to know how to pronounce it. <laughs> even <Perfect>. better. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on Vocal Fry. Thank you. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Peace. Bye.